Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. When you're out in the woods, camouflaged, carrying a loaded weapon, you might feel less safe than you've ever felt before. This world is a strange one. I used to go hunting with my dad. We live in Arkansas, so it's like 90% woods, 5% strange creatures, and 5% cousins. It was fun to go out there in the morning when it was still dark, when the nighttime creatures were still lurking about. It was creepy, but relaxing in a way. Usually, I'd just fall asleep on the tree behind me and snore away the deer my dad was trying to shoot. I never once thought that I might never wake up. Because sometimes, some creepy things happen when you go hunting. Sometimes hunters are never seen again. Enjoy these allegedly true hunting horror stories. But first, be sure to go to my subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails to post your story today. That's where I'll be taking any future submissions. Plus, I'm giving out monthly awards to the highest rated stories. Now then, camouflage is only going to delay your doom. Number one, they followed us. Submitted by Stephen S. This is the first time I've shared my story to anyone besides my two friends and my cousin, Eric, because they outright refused to speak about it, and I don't blame them. This incident happened about two years ago, during our stay at my uncle's house, and no, my cousin wasn't his son. He had a daughter who moved out long ago. His house was near Copper Harbor, about a four-mile drive from where we live. It was a very isolated place. The house was two stories, and there was only a 10-yard walk to the tree line of the nearby woods. That's how close they were. Like any other concerned parental figure, he prompted me and my cousin to not go out at night, and if we were out, to be in the house before it got completely dark. We can understand his worry, but we weren't some fragile children, or so we thought. To give some background, at the time I was nearly 20 and Eric was 21 the month before. Now, I was only going to stay there for winter break, so I had about two weeks to spend with my family that I hardly see, considering I live in the freaking blazing hot deserts of Nevada. The first week there was honestly boring. We sat around doing nothing but watching TV, playing video games, or just getting drunk. 
My cousin then, out of nowhere, proposes that we go hunting for the first time in forever, asking if I still had it in me to kill, which I agreed arrogantly. I have a bit of an ego when it comes to things like hunting. I'd say I'm a pretty good tracker as well. However, at my uncle's, there was only small game to hunt, things like pheasant or hare. Reluctantly, I still agreed to go with Eric, though I never truly cared for the taste of rabbit haunches. It was a Saturday when we arrived at about 1 p.m. We found a good parking spot at the entrance of a dirt road gateway. We parked the truck, unloaded our gear, and set off, though we would have gotten here earlier if it hadn't been for intensive drinking the night before. The forest was booming with life, it seemed. We could hear almost every animal active and moving throughout the rich greenery as we trekked in search of a meal to snag. About two hours into our journey and about a mile out, we hadn't come across any smaller game. It was disappointing that we couldn't bag a buck because we had many opportunities to. One thing I've always remembered about hunting game is to walk against the wind so that whatever you prey upon or could potentially prey upon you doesn't pick up your scent before you even come into view. Doing just that, we stalked throughout the mildly thick brush, scanning any signs of movement we could. About 200 more yards in, we come across a beat down shack near the edge of a large stream. It seriously gave me an eerie vibe, the way it looked. As we got closer, that sense of fear only grew as we could visibly make out massive claw marks on the side of it, and these marks were up at about six feet off the ground. Given the fact that it was set up at an ideal fishing spot, we chalked it up to nothing more than a little shack someone used to house their fishing gear in. Maybe they even cleaned their catches here as well, and maybe a bear happened upon the scent. We had to solidify that theory the only way we could, by taking a look inside the shack. It was relatively small, about 15 feet across and 20 feet high. Upon entering, we were filled by the nauseating stench of something rotting. Inside, it had looked like a hurricane passed through, and there was a workbench that had been shattered, scattered pieces of broken equipment and torn sheets. But what got our attention the most were the bloody stains on the floor and the walls of this tiny enclosure. They were dried up now, but flies still rot the area as if something were freshly killed in there. This made both of us nervous and nauseous, but we weren't going to be swayed so easily. We would just have to proceed more cautiously and aware. Now that we were more on edge, we continued back into the woods for another 100 yards or so, and we began to notice the wildlife sightings we were seeing so much on the way were progressively beginning to decrease. By now, all we could hear was the chirping of a bird every now and then. Suddenly, we saw it, something about 20 yards away, walking towards the hills of the woods. We thought it was a bear, but there was something off about it. Its ears were much longer, but it had the stature of a bear walking on all fours. It must have heard something, Maybe it heard us creeping up because it took off at full speed towards the hills and the way it ran was so peculiar, almost like it was wounded. 
We were baffled. We seriously wanted to know what was up with this thing while remaining a safe distance away from it. But at the speed it was galloping, we needed to pick up the pace just to keep up. When it went up and over the incline, we stopped, wondering if this was a good idea. Dusk was about to fall upon us and our uncle would have a fit if we returned late, but we had already made it this far. Again, that ominous feeling came. It almost felt like we were walking into a trap. We stood there for a moment, finally pulling up the resolve to follow it when we noticed that not even the birds were chirping anymore. It was completely silent. We continued to follow its tracks when we came up over the hill which led down into a small valley about 30 feet down from our vantage point. The foliage was a bit thicker on this side, but visibility was not completely lost, even with the dimming sunlight. Even still, we didn't see the creature. It was almost like it vanished. But then we heard a bunch of rustling and branches snapping just below us. It, or actually they, came into view. There were two of them now. They came into a small clearing between the trees and they hunkered over in awkward positions as if they were crouching. We just looked at each other, utterly astounded by what we were seeing. I've never seen a bear sit like that. And when we turned back to look at them again, they were both looking directly at us. I felt my heart drop into my stomach when I came to the realization that those things they weren't bears. I still remember the sheer terror I felt when I turned back to those glowing eyes piercing through us. And then one of the creatures did the unthinkable. It stood up. It stood up on two legs. In that brief moment, before I nearly wet myself, I could make out its arms and more of its facial features because its demeanor went from inquisitive to aggressive. Even from our distance, I could see those huge fangs. Its muzzle was like that of a dog's, which would explain those ears, but its arms, its arms were like a person's with clawed fingers. The one that stood up lacked the amount of hair the one that we had followed had, which made it all the more menacing to look at. And that was it. We bolted down that hill so fast, almost tripping and tumbling over each other as we hit the bottom. Then we took off through the brush. I've never ran so hard in my life. I remember I dropped my hat and glasses at that moment, but I could care less about them. We each had Remington 700 rifles, but I guess utter terror made us forget we even had them. But then we heard something barreling through the woods behind us. We were being chased. I heard my cousin beginning to cry as we broke through the tree line and back out towards that shack. When we were in front of it, I pulled out my rifle and motioned him to do the same. I turned towards the tree line, ready to shoot at those things the moment they came into sight. It was now pretty dark and we waited for what seemed like forever. We waited for them to attack. The silence was only broken by the swaying of the trees in the wind and my cousin screaming, oh my God. He was pointing at one of the trees to our right. One of those things was in the tree branches. It quietly flanked us. This threw me in an utter panic. That only worsened when my cousin fired at it 
He must have hit it because it let out this ungodly blood-curdling scream that echoed throughout the woods. It was like a man screaming with the undertones of a deep guttural growl. I wanted to die right there. I only grew more afraid because he only angered the thing. I grabbed him by his coat and we booked it back to the truck. My lungs were on fire, but I couldn't stop in fear that that thing was right behind me or above me. As we neared the trail, we broke the tree line and the truck was in sight, finally. Then, from behind me, my cousin cried out and I heard a loud thud on the ground. I turned around quickly, relieved to see that he had only tripped, but that relief was short-lived when I saw that one of those things was silently standing and watching us from the tree line. This creature was easily seven and a half feet tall. Its arms went down to its knees, and those claws bore a gruesome scene in my mind of our demise. I quickly rushed over to pick up my cousin as we raced for the car. We stumbled with the keys before I finally unlocked it, and as soon as we got in, I locked the car and started her up, but Eric let out a chilling scream before I could take off. I was frozen when I noticed he was looking at my side of the car, and I regret ever turning my head in that direction. Its face will forever be burned into my mind. I still can't close my eyes without seeing it. Right in front of my window, inches from my face, its snarling face fogged up the glass. I could clearly make out its face, its eyes almost human-like, widened in a fully maniacal look. It seemed so full of hate. The expression on its face was one of the utmost intimidation. The only thing that snapped me out of this glare was the car shaking from my cousin's side as another one of the things put its hands on the window, then pressed its whole muzzle against it, glaring deeply at both of us. I quickly snapped out of my trance-like state and I freaking floored it out of there. I sighed in relief until I saw in the rear view that they were easily keeping pace with the truck. I was going about 45, so I pushed it up to 70 until I couldn't see them trailing us anymore. But even then, I kept that speed until we got back. As soon as I parked, we both raced inside, locking all the doors and windows when my uncle came screaming at us about how late we came back. But then we all went quiet when we heard it. A loud screaming that ended off like a howl just outside the house. My uncle went and grabbed his rifle and we stuck the night out together in the living room. We heard scratching on the walls. We heard movement on the roof as well. Needless to say, none of us went to sleep. When dawn finally broke and the noises stopped, all of us exhausted and still afraid, my uncle just looked at us and said, see why I told you not to go out at night. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US 
Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Number 2. I Ran Into the Mogollon Monster Submitted by Kyle J. I don't live in Arizona, but I often go there to hunt. The story happened at Mogollon Rim in Arizona in 1995. If you don't know where that is, it's 185 miles south of the Grand Canyon. I was maybe 15, and my Uncle Fred and my Uncle Mort took me hunting at Mogollon Rim. I believe we were hunting deer that season. When we arrived, we searched for a good spot to camp, then we got set up. We were planning on staying there for five days. Then we were going down to Flagstaff, and we would hunt there for a few more days. On the second night, we were sleeping in our tents when we began to hear a little rustling just outside. We all silently headed outside together to see what was making the noise, but whatever it was was gone when we got out there. The thing had gotten into our cooler and took some of our food. Uncle Fred just said, dang raccoons, but then Uncle Mort quickly chimed in. Fred, that was no raccoon. And then they both got into an argument. On the third day, we went out to find more deer, and as we were walking, Uncle Mort pointed at something in the distance. Uncle Fred looked into his scope. It was a dead deer. We ran up to it and saw something that gave me chills, a sight that I will never forget. 
there was this thing eating the deer. It looked like a Bigfoot, but it was smaller. It had like this big white beard going down to its knees, and its hands were bare naked, with nails that were like claws that were two inches long. The creature looked up at us, then it stood up, and this thing didn't act like a Bigfoot. It acted more human than anything. It picked up a club of some sort, then began to swing at us. We backed up and the thing ran out into the woods, disappearing from sight. Uncle Fred took aim before it disappeared and shot at the thing. And as soon as he did, there was this chilling scream flooding everywhere around us. It made us all plug our ears. I know Fred shot it. We didn't stay there any longer. We packed up and left right when we got back to camp. A couple of days back, I looked up the Arizona Bigfoot when I found something familiar. Whatever that thing was, people are calling it the Mogollon Monster. The description of that thing perfectly matches the creature we saw that day. Number three, stalked by a mountain lion. Submitted by Matthew L. I was 19 years old back then. I was visiting my dad in a small town called Rio Grande City. He has a house inside his ranch, which is perfect because I love hunting. My dad and stepmom were going to be out for a few hours. They were heading out to a party and wouldn't be back until late. My dad tried urging me to come but I didn't want to. But later on, I regretted that decision. As my parents left, I went to my room, grabbing my bow and arrow, as well as my father's 38 special revolver. I headed out deep into the ranch, trying to make it out there before it got too dark. I was hoping to find a deer or a bobcat to snatch real fast. I used to be an expert with that bow, and I wanted to see if I still had it. I go to my usual spot, which has a deer blind my dad had bought me when I was six. There I waited, and I waited until darkness was upon me. I was quite disappointed that no animals had shown up. I decided it was time to head back home. As I exited the deer blind, I could barely see anything except for the moonlight. Stupid me forgot to bring a flashlight for when I was done. But nevertheless, I had my phone on me, so I opened up a flashlight app. I continued my slow walk home in the dark when I got the eerie feeling that I was being watched. I brushed it off, assuming it was my imagination. It was pretty dark out after all. Plus, I was all alone out there. Even with the light on my phone, I could barely see that much in front of me. When all of a sudden, I stopped because I heard a twig break nearby. Maybe I wasn't as alone as I thought I was. Instantly, I looked around, but saw nothing. Once again, I brushed it off as maybe a rabbit or a roadrunner. We had a lot of those on my dad's ranch. I continued to walk, picking up the pace a little bit, until I heard the sound of branches being brushed up against by something. This time, it caught my attention. I knew for sure someone or something was following me. I picked up my pace even more, and I walked much faster. I was getting more nervous by the minute. Whenever I moved, whatever was following me was moving at the same time. 
then the worst thing happened. My battery on my phone died, shutting off the light from my phone, leaving me alone in complete darkness in the middle of the woods. What happened next literally sent chills down my spine. Something roared at me, and I recognized the sound of that roar. It was the intimidating roar of a mountain lion, and it was close. I dropped my bow quickly, and I drew my revolver, and I fired all six shots in every direction, then took off in a sprint back home, hoping that I could make it out alive. As I got home safely, I saw that my parents were home as well. My dad asked what was the matter, and I told him what happened. My dad was shocked and skeptical at the same time. He told me that he hasn't seen a cougar in these parts since he was a child. Nevertheless, my dad took my word for it and grabbed his rifle, then he told me to go with him to retrieve my bow. After five or 10 minutes of driving around searching for that spot, we stopped as we saw my bow lying on the ground. Me and my dad stepped out of the truck, fingers on our triggers, ready to fire. My dad had his flashlight and was looking around when he found something. Tracks, fresh tracks. He showed them to me and confirmed that they were in fact the tracks of a mountain lion and that I was lucky to be alive because they were nearly on top of my footprints. Number four, Bigfoot encounter while hunting. Submitted by Mystery Man. Let me start off by saying that this isn't my story. It's from an old friend of my great grandfather's and it's been a few years since I was told this story. So the memory might be a bit hazy. It may not be the scariest to some people, but I thought it'd be great to share. This story happened in upstate New York. My great-grandfather's friend was hunting with one other person. For privacy reasons, I won't use their names. They came across a road and decided to split up, going in opposite directions on the road. He perched himself on a rock and waited until four in the afternoon, but unfortunately, nothing showed. At this time, he decided to meet up with his friend. Right when he began to move off of the rock he was sitting on, he saw something walking in the woods across a clearing, not too far from him. The thing walked out of the trees and it had its right side facing him. From there, he couldn't tell if it was a bear or a person, so he didn't know whether to call out to it or stay silent. He then decided to do something in between. He whistled at it. The thing walked away from him on two legs back into the forest. It disappeared from his sight. It then walked back out of the forest, this time facing him, and they stared each other down before that thing slowly walked back into the woods and then out of sight. My grandfather's friend walked back down the road away from the thing he saw, where he saw his friend walking up to him. He asked him if he had been down where he saw that creature. He wanted to be sure that it wasn't a person that he saw but he said that he had never been down that way. To this day, he insists that this was no bear. It walked deliberately on two tall legs. It walked without trouble, without stumbling or anything like that. He swears it wasn't a person, 
because they would have alerted him of their presence. Besides that, people aren't completely covered with hair. He insists that what he saw that day was a Bigfoot. And number five, Bigfooted Freak Stalking Me. Submitted by The Fallen Creature. I'm a hunter, a fisherman, skeet shooter, your average outdoors guy. I live right across the street from a national forest. Also, we live in the state of Georgia. However, things didn't start happening until the summer of 2016, when we started going fishing by ourselves. For the most part, it was just me and a friend. But one day when we went, we were greeted by the sound of someone following us. We tried to think nothing of it, we kept going on our three-mile trek to the river, occasionally checking around us, always seeing nothing. Now, we get to the river, and we start moving around, trying to find a fishing spot, until we notice a high-pitched scraping noise. We turned our heads up towards the cliff. It was coming from just above the river. We heard the noise stop when we began to look, but we still saw nobody around us. It was strange and a bit eerie. The cliff was bare there, and there was no possible way anyone could be up there without us seeing. So again, we tried to brush it off and have a good time. We move about a mile upstream. We began to feel better about the situation, more at ease, as we didn't hear any more footsteps following us, and no more odd noises. We continued for about an hour, and we noticed that the wildlife around us had completely gone silent. I mean, besides our breathing, there was no other noise out there at all. I know it sounds like a bunch of crap, but this really happened, and anyone who lives in this neighborhood can confirm the same feeling of someone or something following them and watching them. It's about 7.30 by then, and it's getting dark, so me and my friend decide to head out on our two-hour journey back home. As soon as we packed up and we began heading back upstream, we were greeted by this smell, the smell of something rotting and decaying and dead. It was creepy, and we didn't want to be a part of it, so we picked up our pace a bit, at this point getting freaked out, since we were just on this part of the trail hours ago, and the smell wasn't there, meaning this was fresh kill and I didn't want to become the next fresh prey. As we continue along, we're just about to go on the trail that takes us back home. We depart from the river when we find huge footprints in the sand, right where I'd been standing earlier fishing. I called my friend over, and at this point, we're both getting seriously worried. We gunned it out of there, only to be greeted by the sound of footsteps keeping pace with us. Very heavy, footsteps. We break into a run, and at about halfway from where the trail meets the road, whatever was following us just stopped, but we weren't taking any chances. Whatever that was out there, it sounded huge, so we just kept running until we finally reached the road. We took a break to catch our breath, and then we started walking back to my house. As soon as we went inside, my mother saw the looks of worry on our faces and asked us what was wrong. I debated on whether or not to tell her, and we opted not to, just in case we sounded weird, 
and I didn't want to scare my poor mother. A few weeks after all of this happened, a friend of mine was leaving my house one night and he was walking through the woods back to his place. But as he was sliding through the fence, he looked over at the national forest only to see a bunch of outlines of what appeared to be people. They all had heavy duty flashlights, chanting. He couldn't tell what they were saying, but they were saying it all in unison. He was getting freaked out, so he raced back home, banging on the doors for his family to let him in. The next morning, he went back out to investigate, to look around where the strange people were seen. He found the foundation of an old and long abandoned church with old cement pews and a well, along with what appeared to be an old graveyard. Lately, someone or something has been following us both, even after we got back from our fishing trip. Every night lately, the neighborhood dogs have been going ballistic at night, and I'm always sure that when I go out these days that I have a gun with me, especially what happened just last night. I saw someone through my kitchen window in the middle of the freaking night. They were about 40 yards away, standing at the tree line of the forest, staring at me with eyes that were at least eight feet off the ground. It was a towering figure, but it just kept staring until I raised up my gun to take a shot. It bolted back into the forest. Honestly, now I'm not sure what to do, and I don't know what the heck that thing was. It can't possibly be human. Its body was huge. I posted this, wondering if anyone else has had any experiences with similar creatures. You may think you're hidden in your tree blind with random animals pee on your clothes, but you're not. To certain hungry creatures, you stand out. You're an easy meal that just happens to smell a bit funny. Oh well, you'll still taste just as delicious. You might have a gun or a bow with you, but you can only pray that those small bullets and thin arrows will be enough to stop those massive creatures from tearing into your flesh. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to subscribe and send me your true scary stories at reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails. Thank you. the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back, and this week we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details.